Welcome to the Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Hi, I'm Alicia Ranford, and you're listening to an Emerging Minds Families Podcast. As parents and caregivers, we know that children can experience a really wide range of big feelings throughout their daily lives. It can be a roller coaster for them and you as you both navigate the tears and tantrums coupled with the joy and laughter. There are so many emotions as children grow and experience all the new things that go on around them, and it can be difficult to know how to help children manage these feelings. Today, we're talking to Ben Rogers. He's a dad and occupational therapist who throughout his career has spent much time looking at emotions and really helping children and parents to manage them in a healthy way. Welcome, Ben. It's great to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me. Ben, why is it important we consider our children's emotions? Emotions really sit as a fundamental process in how we navigate the world around us. And many of you listening today may have heard the term emotional regulation, which is our ability to manage our emotional experiences, identify with them, and then respond in ways that are appropriate to the needs of our environment. So, you know, we're constantly taking information in, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you, talking through a podcast and microphones in front of me, and there's so much happening in my environment, but also internally, you know, my heart rate's starting to go up as a subtle feeling of anxiousness. Am I going to say the right thing? And, you know, this is all happening under the surface. And, and when we think about the needs of our environment, if we're in danger, we, we feel certain emotions, you know, that might be fear, which help us to move away from that experience. If we feel safe and engaged, we may feel emotions like happiness and relaxation that, you know, encourage us to move towards an experience. So all of these responses are important as we evaluate and assess our surroundings. And I think we we notice emotions the most when they aren't quite aligned to what we might expect in a situation and when someone has difficulty regulating those emotions. And I think about when I got home from work the other night and I could hear my three-year-old kicking and screaming on the floor in the lounge room. And when I went to investigate what was happening, you know, he was having a humongous meltdown because he wanted chicken drumsticks for dinner and, you know, we were having tuna rice that night. And I think this is a really good example of, you know, at its core is emotions that help drive our behaviours. But Really importantly for children, they help to communicate what their needs and desires are. And it is a complex process, but yeah, looking forward to to discussing with you today. Yes, and I think as a parent myself, it's one of the things you remember most about your children when they were young is the times when they they couldn't manage those emotions and, and things went quite pear-shaped. So do you think it's important that as parents we think about our children's emotions right from an early age? Yeah, absolutely. When if we think about emotions at their core, communicating certain needs, and even in utero, you know, an infant is communicating with their mum about what what the external environment is like. And as they move into the world around them, they're feeling certain things that allow them to communicate, whether that's through crying. And we try and tune into those needs. You know, I think as a dad, when I, there were three things that I was told that I need to try and tune into at the start, you know, it was is it food? Are they hungry? Uh, do the nappy change? Do they need sleep? But actually, there's a lot of complexity that sits in in terms of attuning to those needs. So the tennis match begins where, you know, the, the infant or child will hit some cues over to you and you, know, you try and read those cues and, and hit it back. And as that happens over time, uh, an attachment, a connection is strengthened. And really, that lays a foundation for um, how that person, that child grows into navigating the world around them. And, you know, on top of that tennis match that we're constantly playing is, um, you know, our kids are, are really tuning into how we're feeling in each and every moment. 
And, and this idea of co-regulation is really fundamental, you know, particularly early in life and when our kids are really relying on us to have their needs met. But as they grow, um, co-regulation becomes this foundation in help, helping them to make sense of the world around them through us, um, as well as that, you know, naturally they're sponges and feel what we're feeling in each and every moment. And so is that what you mean by co-regulation, that children feed off the emotions of their parents and vice versa? Yeah, there's this flow effect, isn't there, where, um, where you know, your facial expressions, your tone of voice, you know, your body posture, the, the words that you're using, even your heart rate and how that feels, you know, for an infant that's lying on, you know, its parent's chest and you know, all of that is is communicating to that infant about what the world around them is like. And when we're aware of that as adults, you know, we can't stop the experiences we're feeling, but when we're aware of that process of this flow of energy between us and our kids, it, it allows us to build um, awareness of how we can help them understand their environment around them. I think that's a really great point and I'd love to touch more on that shortly. But I wanted to start with asking fundamentally why do you think children find it difficult to regulate their emotions? Yeah, children take time to develop the skills and internal resources to regulate and manage their emotions. I feel like as an adult, I'm still learning how to manage my own emotions and you step into the shoes of a child whose brain is still developing, you know, particularly their language. You know, if we're thinking about, you know, when that receptive language starts and then we get more ability to express ourselves that comes through the toddler years. And even being able to problem solve kind of comes and supports how we manage and explore our own emotions. So you add on top of that, the physiology of a child is still developing how the body's talking to itself and our own internal thresholds for certain things. Um, and even exposure to experiences you know, I think of my one-year-old, I was watching her eat kiwi fruit the other day and I could see in her facial expression when she put this um, tart kind of kiwi fruit into her mouth, the, the, the facial expression of disgust, you know, really came out through her. And that felt like the first time I'd seen that experience. So there's so much that's happening for, for kids as they grow and develop. And, you know, coming back to the idea of co-regulation, if we're there along the journey to support them through that, to name that experience, to be with them and let them ride the waves. You know, we often think of emotions, particularly at the pointy ends, as being stuff we need to avoid. And, in fact, they're really good opportunities to help um, build the, the knowledge and internal sense through the body of what it feels like. So I heard you mention the body in relation to emotions. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so our emotional experiences are, are felt. You know, we have feelings and those feelings are, are carried within the body. And it's something that we don't always look at as parents, but it's a really important place to, to draw kids' attention to because they have sometimes these really wonderful ways of describing what they're feeling in their body. It might be a tight chest, butterflies in the belly. And so emotions in the body are really intertwined. So although it's really important to, you know, give language around that emotion, if we can help kids to think about their body, it builds a, a broader level of literacy around this area. Literacy meaning language and words and understandings. On top of that is the way that we think. So our thoughts, you know, our emotions and, and also our body. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it, that we experience emotions also through our body. It's not only a sense of feeling. It's right. And it's a good starting place for adults as well. You know, often if you can uh, name a feeling, name an experience, um, you know, take time to explore where it's in the body. And for a parent, it's really hard. And I know for me, um, after a big day at work and I get home and, you know, 
my child's having a meltdown about what we're having for dinner, I can have certain reactions that I could be aware of. But what emotional regulation can help you do is if if you're aware that you're feeling it in the body, you can just quickly drop in and say, I'm noticing tightness in my chest right now. And that, that provides a bit of space. You know, it gives you that moment in time to sit with that and then and respond in ways that you think are more aligned to the your child's needs in that moment. Yeah, it's that lovely moment of reflection in yourself, which can probably help with your ability to manage what your child's experiencing as well. And it doesn't go well all the time, obviously. <laughs> it's something that, you know, have a lot of parents, I think, including me, are aware of in, in how kids can make us feel certain ways, you know, and our own thresholds for managing those things. And yeah, I think it's something that we have to have a level of care and compassion for ourselves as we navigate these little nervous systems that grow and develop. And so what do you think are the benefits in teaching children at a young age how to manage their emotions? When we think about emotions at their core, we're built to respond, as I said earlier, around when things are unpleasant, we're moving away from them. And when they're pleasant, we might be drawn more towards them. But as we you know, navigate the world around us, we can't control what life's going to be throwing at us at different points. Having core skills, self-regulation around navigating those experiences is, is fundamental. And particularly when thinking about the, the extreme ends of what that might mean, you know, in, in terms of when we're feeling those really unpleasant experiences, finding ways of being able to sit and be with them or knowing what strategies and tools to draw on is really important. As a parent, thinking of it that you're building a toolkit that a child can draw on at different points when they're needing it around their emotions and their regulation. You know, sometimes that might be connecting with you and exploring something difficulty that they're going through at the moment. Sometimes that might be something that they can draw on themselves that allows them to self-regulate. And other times there might be other things that are really unique to that child and their individual differences. And that's probably a really key point is that kids are really good at talking in their behaviours about what they're needing at different points in time. And so adults, as best we can, if we can tune into those, it can really help us to support uh, and walk alongside those kids through their emotional regulation journey. And I really like that thought that you're building a toolkit for your children to utilise in the future as they grow and become young people and then into early adulthood to manage situations that they come across in a more emotionally stable way. Absolutely. And I think fundamental to all of this is the relationship that we build with our kids and, you know, not underestimating the importance of that proactive connection that we do naturally with our kids. So, you know, one-to-one time, quality time. Uh, One of the things that I'm really conscious of if I've come home from a busy day at work is I might be caught in my head and thinking about different things and my kids are so grounding for me and just getting on the floor and following their lead in play is, is really a great opportunity to explore different emotions in their play, different things that might come up for them. So just by getting on the floor and building that connection is a really practical way in which you can start to, to build that toolkit together. Ben, what, what do you think are some of the main things that impact a child's ability to regulate their emotions? Yeah, there's some underlying things that impact how a child might feel. And I think about my kids, sometimes they wake up in the morning and I think, oh, we're going to have a tricky day today. (laughs) And um, if you take a step back for a moment and think about some things that impact the body and how we're feeling, our physiology, you know, think about sleep being a really fundamental part of how we feel in, in terms of our regulation, how we're managing and navigating our emotional experiences through the day. Yeah, my family definitely have moments of being hangry where, you know, food and nutrition really sit underneath how we're feeling as well. 
for some kids, they have difficulty processing sensory information as well. But really a, a key thing to make mention of is, you know, what's happening in, the, happening in the family context at this point in time? Is there any family stress that's sitting underneath the child's experiences and emotions? And another thing to make mention of is when things are new and unpredictable, naturally the body and nervous system become more heightened. You know, I remember we moved house recently and I spent the first week being hypervigilant, not sleeping well because it was a new environment and that made me feel that way. And my kids were like that for a lot longer. So it's just having awareness of things in the body, things around our relationships and the family context, as well as thinking about the environment and how that might make a child be feeling at any point in time and when thinking about feelings we often see behaviors and it's quite easy to get caught up in what you see in that moment i think the challenging thing that i find and you know i know a lot of other parents do is taking a step back in those moments and holding that broader lens about what might be impacting that child in that moment but also what might they be communicating to me in that moment and that lens can provide a level of compassion in how you think about um, supporting them in those moments. And it's lovely to think that actually it's being curious about why your child might be feeling this way. And I guess that lends me into asking, what is the parent's role in supporting this emotional regulation in their children? You know, a really important thing that I've made mention to is this idea of co-regulation and just being aware of your own emotions and what might be flowing through you to your kids. And, you know, thinking about those emotions that you meet in the moment and, you know, validating those experiences as best you can and, and helping your kids to, to know that it's okay to be feeling that at each and every moment that they're feeling it. I know this is challenging at different points in time. You know, I was reading recently the, the Latin definition of discipline is to teach. And, you know, when you think about teaching, you know, and emotions, really those heightened emotions are really important moments in time. Now, if we think about what's going on for that child in, in their brain in those moments, particularly for my toddler, their ability to access language in those moments is really challenging. And so when we're in those really heightened emotions, as best we can, if we can provide empathy, sit with that child, validate their experiences, um, that can be really helpful. But when they're feeling calm, you know, is there ways in which we can help them to understand what they've just experienced and make meaning of that experience as well. And this does change through the ages as well. As the child gets older, you can have more complex conversations around these things. And I think about how much kids look at their parents or caregivers for being a lead in how to manage all sorts of different situations. How can parents model good emotional regulation for their children to really learn from during their own stressful times? Yeah, one thing that I've learned as being a dad is that your kids are sponges for your own behavior. And, you know, I've just seen myself in my kids and how they've talked to me or responded in a cheeky way. And I think that's a really important thing for us to be aware of. And, you know, I think as parents, we're aware that, God, they're, they're absolute sponges for what we're doing at the moment. And that becomes really important when we're feeling stressed ourselves. You know, what's our tone of voice, our facial expressions, how are they making meaning of what's going on for us? As a parent, it's natural for us to react to our kids. You know, I think it's just really validating that that's what happens at different points in time. And But finding times of when those ruptures do happen, when you find yourself frustrated or angry at your kids, once you're feeling calm yourself, how can you create some space to repair that and, and talk through what, what happened for you in that moment and, and ask them about how they're feeling and then just having some open communication and meaning making together around what's happened and that might be something that's small it might be something that's big as well and that kind of framework can be really helpful for families 
And thinking about your family rituals, as I talked about earlier, relationships are really fundamental to this and having that positive connection together. I was finding that after a stressful day, I'd come home and I'd notice the tension in my chest. I would notice how my kids were kind of reading into that a little bit. And we've decided to do a dance party. If we've had a, if any of us have had a tricky day, my three-year-old had a tricky day at childcare the other day. So we had a dance party in the in the lounge room where we chose, you know, all our different music. Catboy was played on repeat basically. Oh, I love but that. <laughs> so, you know, there's different ways that you can tune in for your own family rituals that, yeah, can help you to support your kids. The final thing to make mention of is is listening to your, your kids and listening with what you see and what you hear, observing what they're trying to communicate to you through what they're, you know, how they're behaving or even what they're saying. And I think I've never met a parent who hasn't really struggled at some time or another to help their child manage a really emotional outburst or three. And so what, what are some really practical things parents can do to help a child who is struggling to manage those really big feelings, say, of frustration and anger that generally happen when you're in the aisle of a supermarket oh the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) the dreaded supermarket you can hear um families across the country shivering when you you hear that oh i would be one of them yeah well there's there's so much to this I, i think probably the first thing is about when the early stages of an emotion that a child might be feeling and how proactively we can support a child to navigate those so sometimes just by naming that you know i can see you're looking really frustrated or i know that you're really you know wanting to go down the chip aisle today and then just you know in those early stages you might just sit with that with them and just by naming it or it might open a dialogue where you talk about it with your child and and do some problem solving so remember in those like early stages the body's calm the brain's connected to to more language picture my three-year-old obviously in this context and then, you know, then we move into more the, the heightened end of what a child might be experiencing. And, and in those moments, using empathy and validating what they're feeling is really important and sitting with them during it, just writing that out together can be really helpful. But it's not always that easy. And setting clear rules and boundaries are really important as well in proactively supporting emotions. It's this predictability and natural consequences that can provide a, a really important scaffolding for children when navigating things like the supermarket. And this can be a challenge at times. I know definitely it is for me where you set those boundaries and follow those through. So, you know, for instance, what a child can and can't have from the supermarket shelf and you're setting these expectations but what you're often met with is, um, is you met with your child's own emotions as part of this. And this can be anything from frustration, anger, disappointment to a full-blown body meltdown on the floor. And this can be really triggering for us as parents in a public place. And, and again, as best you can during those times, try and ride the wave of emotions with your child. And you can still name the boundary but also acknowledge the natural disappointment or frustration they're experiencing you know for instance we won't be taking any chips home with us today and i know you're frustrated let's see what else we can choose together from our shopping list yeah i think a really practical thing that you know you might want to try for those that are listening today might want to try at home is is just playing with your kids you know and just taking time it, it could be five minutes it could be 10 minutes could be one minute but just getting on the floor and following their lead in play has a really important connection with your kids but also you learn a lot about them and their interests what they're feeling what they're going through things just bubble out it can be hard in those moments not to jump in 
And that's a, a skill in itself, not to try and fix uh, emotions or even you know, take control of those play situations. But yeah, just following their lead in play can be really a helpful way of of starting that. The other thing that can be really helpful is thinking about the the body carrying certain emotions and how can we let the body move through those things. So at times for my son might go jump on the trampoline and get a lot of that heavy work kind of feedback through the body. It might be breathing based exercises where you kind of, you know, we blow out candles with imaginary candles in front of us or might do the bubble monster, which is just a little bit of detergent and some straws in a bucket. So that, that expiration, that long exhale really calms and naturally calms the body down. And I hear you talk about taking the time to get to know your children. So if I bring you back to the frazzled parent that's in the supermarket with the child that is screaming because they can't go down the chip aisle, is it those moments when you can use the knowledge that you've got about your child to, to draw their attention away from what they're upset about and perhaps look at you know, doing bubble monsters when you get home or drawing their attention to something else of interest that might be going on around them. Yeah. So in those moments, you know, we'll talk about that feeling frazzled. I had this the other day with our son and you know, in those heightened moments, it can be really challenging to, particularly in the younger years, to rationalize and problem solve in those moments. And probably the bridge into supporting the body to calm is by validating and sitting with them and, and as best you can naming their experience. And so that's probably that priority is helping the body and the brain feel calmer in those moments so then we can you know, start to talk about things together. That can be challenging, you know, even just sitting with them on the floor during that might be an option. But when they're feeling calmer, and one thing that um, we've started to do lately with it, with our son is have a chat to him afterwards when he's feeling calm. It's like, what in those moments, like, what can we do to help you out? And he had this really insightful thing that he shared with us, which was, you can tickle me. And we were like, oh, interesting, tickle you. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you can tickle me. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll give that a go. And recently I, I tried that. You know, not when he was too heightened, but I just said, you told me I could tickle you. You know, after sitting with, you know, what he was feeling, obviously, I was like, are you feeling really frustrated, mate? Is this a chance to give you a tickle? And these like eyes kind of lit up a little bit. He kind of calmed down. And humor is a really nice way for him and as I engage with him, but it's really unique to, to your kids. So um, having those conversations when they have that language is helpful but also just watching what are they into what might they like you know some kids might want the role of pushing the trolley that's a really good heavy work kind of feedback to the body which can be calming as well you know it might be a shopping list for the older kids and and you know in that shopping list is something that they've chosen and, and for the younger kids it's probably just about being close to mum or dad during the process and it's a pretty busy place a supermarket so yeah i think the the key message in that is just tuning into what your kids needs are and you'll be surprised Oh, and I think too, ultimately, sometimes you can go in with all the best intentions and all the strategies in the world. And sometimes it's the thing that you least expect that works. Yeah. Again, I've shared a lot of my family experiences <laughs> today, but one of the things that we had recently for our three-year-old was we're helping him navigate the bedtime routine. And he was getting really upset about that for a variety of different reasons. And we've been setting up as best we can, some clear rules and boundaries for him at bedtime to keep him in his bed. And some nights this has been going really well, but this particular night um, it wasn't. And we realized along that journey through the evening that he was really scared and he was exhausted, you know, he was overtired. And both my wife and I had tag team going in and out and supporting him in different ways to the point where I was 
pretty exhausted and I was like, what's it going to take? You know, what can we do to support you right now, mate? And I just, you know, on a whim said, do you want my jumper? You've got this really comfy bedtime jumper that I wear. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, yeah, I want your jumper. And that was the thing. That was the thing. You know, I took my jumper off and I gave it to him and he like instantly calmed down and went to bed. And I was like, wow, this isn't really a parenting strategy you read in a book. But, you know, I think for him, there was something about having me connected to him when he went to sleep. And that was really helpful. And yeah, I think it's just, you know, being kind to yourself. We were exhausted at that point. I didn't know what else to do. And we'd ridden the way for him with him for a good period of time. So yeah, you have to be creative sometimes, I think. Absolutely, Ben. And look, thank you. I think this has been so insightful looking at kids' emotions, which as a parent of two children myself who are now older, um, but I still sit with some of those times when things went completely pear-shaped and it didn't seem that anything that I was trying worked. And I think before we finished, I just wanted to ask you if if listeners today were to take home just a few things from what you've talked about, what would you want them to remember? Yeah, I think trusting yourself to invest in the relationship with your kids and the quality time that you can spend with them, you know, getting on the floor with them, following their lead in play if you can. And we talked about curiosity today and being curious to your child's experiences when a child's able to use language about an experience, invite them to share that with you. Think about where that might be in the body and, you know, where do you notice it? And just being curious together and inviting them to be curious about their experiences. Your child has really creative and unique ways of talking to you about what they're experiencing or, or showing you what they're experiencing in terms of their emotions. So as best you can, try and see that and, and find ways of meeting that in as many moments as you can through the day. But as I said, it can be challenging. So bring that kindness and compassion to yourself as well. Yeah, I think that's a lovely note to end on, Ben. Thank you. I think it is really important that anyone caring for a child does also need to remember to be kind to themselves during these moments because it can really test your limitations. Thank you for talking with us today, Ben. It's been great to have you on our Emerging Minds Families podcast series. It's great to be here. Thank you. You have been listening to an Emerging Minds Families podcast. If anything spoken about today has been distressing for you or you find yourself struggling, please reach out for help. You can call Lifeline on 131114 or more resources for support can be found in our show notes. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com forward slash families for a wide range of free information and resources to help support child and family mental health. Emerging Minds leads the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. The centre is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.